0: Questions on Genesis fifty.
1: Yeah, Doctor Ish, um, you you touched on this, uh, but you know when when Joseph was speaking to his brothers, he said, you know, you meant for evil, God intended for good. That many would be saved, and then the references to that, and you quoted what would be the probably the most quoted one in Romans eight twenty eight. You know that God does work everything for the good those that love him called his purpose. and that working of good he tells us what it is in 29 it would be conformed to the image of Christ mm-hmm. that's the good that's there uh, but, but God I'm working that and so in Joseph uh, would, would you say that his 13 years of either enslavement or imprisonment uh, was because Joseph was not ready to be over Egypt in the, position, the place that God only had for him for good, or more sanctifying purposes in Joseph's life? we have any
0: thoughts on that? Yes, the 13 years that he was enslaved and in prison, was God sanctifying him? Is that the question? Yeah. Yes, he was certainly sanctifying him. And he was also preparing him because he was shown to be faithful with whatever duties he had, when he was second in charge in Potiphar's house, right? Potiphar was in charge of his own household, but he was second to Potiphar in terms of authority over the household since he was found to be very diligent, right? Responsible, diligent in his work. In that way, he had a small job there and then a big job for the nation. But, But he was faithful in a little... Therefore, God made him faithful in, uh, in much, like Jesus taught. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in much. Yes, in that way, it was a part of him, uh, his preparation, but also his sanctification. Sanctification, as even the passage in Romans, Romans 8, uh, 26 to 30, teach us to... Persevere, knowing that God has it all worked out for us from beginning to end. And he, he will, in the end, glorify us. But the means to that is in verses 39, uh, 31 to 39, through many afflictions. We must undergo many afflictions. Romans 8, 31 to 39. In that way, it has to happen through those afflictions. And that's what happened to Joseph. Not only to Joseph... But the point that we're making is the experiences of Joseph in terms of his relationship to the Lord, his salvation, his relationship to others, perseverance, undergoing affliction and overcoming affliction. These are all common characteristics of all Christians throughout all time, whether in Genesis or Revelation or any time in between. That's what we should expect. Um, Acts 14.22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We must. It's ordained for us to enter God's kingdom through many tribulations. And indeed, 2 Timothy 3.12, and indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's a guarantee when we are living godly in Christ Jesus somebody is going to rise up somebody will slander us somebody will malign us somebody will cause conflict because you're pursuing righteousness if you're pursuing the righteousness of Christ then those who love wickedness hate it and they will seek to undermine it what was that reference again? second timothy 3:12 2 Timothy 3.12 And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And they, the wicked persecute the righteous in this manner too. Proverbs 10.23 Proverbs 10.23 Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool but, and so is wisdom to a man of understanding. We who have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of Christ... Now, because of the grace of God converting us, because of our wisdom that we now possess, we love, we love it as a sport to pursue more wisdom. But wicked men, they like their wickedness, they love their wickedness. It's sport to them, and they don't want to give it up. It's fun to them to practice wickedness, so they don't want to give it up. But it's fun for us to practice wisdom, and we don't want to give it up. And so they will rise up against us. Persecutions, afflictions are, are ours.
1: You know, it's inter- I think it's interesting in that Romans eight, in verse thirty five, it makes the statement, "Water, who shall separate us uh, from the love of Christ?" And then it lists off things that you think could, right? It says, "What shall do it? Then uh, shall tribulations, distress, persecutions." Famine, nakedness, dangers, and the sword. Uh, and that's kind of Joseph is this picture. Those didn't separate from God's love. Even after 13 years, we mm-hmm. might be prone to give up hope after 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. And you, you, you read verse 35. Let me read the passage. We've been referring to it. Verse 36. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long, we were considered as sheep to be Slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, none of these evil things will separate us from the love of God.
2: And if we're generally saved, Closer
0: to him. Yes, it will sanctify us. It removes the pollution in our flesh it or in our being that's in the flesh. It removes this pollution and purifies us. He who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 John 3.3 3. Okay, next one. Next question.
3: Uh, Yeah, Uh, in terms of the brothers uh, having evil suspicion against Joseph, the assumption would have been that he was a hypocrite, pretending all these years and just waiting uh, until he would have his opportunity. Well, just in that and, well, like we were talking earlier, some of the experiences we've had over the years, and I'm sure others as well, Why is it that people, even Christians, even his own family, are so prone to be suspicious when there's no basis for doing that? Because this is something that we've seen. And I think many times with those in leadership, the people are suspicious unjustly of everything that happens. When something happens, they assume the worst. So what would be the proper response? where we're not promoting gullibility and being naive, yet at the same time, uh, I think sometimes people tend to believe that having discernment means being suspicious of every single thing that happens.
0: Does that make sense? Well, the people the, the people who have evil suspicion, and that, that phrase comes from 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. Let's read that. And it comes from there. And the reason it arises is lack of faith.
3: Right.
0: Lack of faith or unbelief is the reason evil suspicion and all of these other sins, they arise because of that. And lack, lack of faith equates to lack of conformity to Christ, the words of Christ. First Timothy six three If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. There we have, they don't conform to sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. He's stressing godliness because that's the part that everybody despises. The wicked despise godliness or holiness, righteousness. They despise that. And whenever they see it, they seek to undermine it. And they undermine it with conceit, understanding nothing, having a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. You said godly. What is it? What does godly mean? I don't know what godly means. Do you know what godly means? The Bible isn't clear about what godly means. Did you know that? This is the kind of fleshly reaction they have, so they become suspicious of us when we preach godliness. Um, and this is disputes about controversial questions, disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. They are the ones with their evil suspicions causing constant friction. The preachers of truth are not causing friction the way the Bible means the word friction. This friction is an evil friction, sinful friction. When we preach the truth, of course, it's going to rub some people the wrong way, but that's not a sinful rubbing of them the wrong way. They are taking it the wrong way. That's why it is uncomfortable to them. But the preacher of truth is not to be blamed if friction arises in an individual here or an individual there, and then he rises up and asks uh, controversial questions and disputes words is envious whatever if they start doing that it's not the preacher of truth's fault and when i say preacher i mean i'm speaking gen- generally not just the one in the pulpit whenever we preach the right. truth to people this w- may happen it often happens that people will rise up against the truth but these people who do it are depraved in their mind he says Men of depraved mind, deprived of the truth. They might claim to know the truth. They might claim to believe the truth, but they don't have the truth. He says here, they are deprived of the truth. Because for them, godliness is a means of gain. And the the gain he means is monetary gain. And if one does not love the master, he loves money. That is a, a truth that is generally applicable. If he doesn't love the master, he loves money. Matthew six twenty four. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have two masters. So I'm answering your question partially. Am I getting to the part of your concern? What causes people to do this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, and just even in this case, it's believers do. And his own brothers. Yes. And it reminds me as well of Moses with Aaron and, and Miriam. Yes. The up against him. yes. And, and then just what do we need to do to guard ourselves from behaving like this? Okay. What's the proper response to those in these positions?
0: Okay. Did Christ do anything for his opponents to have evil suspicion of him? No. Did Joseph do anything for his brothers to, to ha- and father to have evil suspicion of Joseph? No. No. Did um, the example, did Moses, Numbers 12, did Moses do anything for Aaron and Miriam, Miriam and Aaron, to have evil suspicion of Moses? Did Korah, Number 16, did Korah have any basis to rise up with his company against Moses. Did he have any grounds? Because in the case of these people, they invent grounds in their own head, but not objectively, not biblically, not based on the evidence of the person's words or works, and not based on the word of God. They do it because they have some agenda, some evil, fleshly, malicious agenda that they don't want to reveal. So they pretend to be concerned about your spiritual life or others' spiritual life. They pretend to have prayed about it. They pretend to know what the word says about it. And then they rise up and criticize us. So to prevent ourselves from doing it to others, you have to first examine, analyze, discern the situation. Am I looking at it rightly? Do I have an evil motive or not? Am I looking at it rightly? Do I have an evil motive? What is my agenda? And what actually happened? What were the actual words? And do we have to take those words or do we have to take that action as necessarily being evil? Does the Bible comment on that? What does the Bible say? This will prevent us from having evil suspicions on others, collect the evidence. That's the first thing. Collect the evidence.
1: Doctor, I, I think uh, often in situations like Jerry's saying, when people project, "Man, you have wrong motives. You, you did this with malice or intent." You know, things like uh, Titus one. 15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the undefiled, right? It speaks. So I, I think sometimes people do that, and I want my question to go back to Genesis 50, Could it be with the brothers that, man, that's what I would have done. I would have waited. I would. Now's my chance to get revenge, and so that's why I think you'll do it because I do think that's how come people do a lot of things they do that they, you know. I would have acted this way, and because you didn't, you're just hiding, you're just being fake, you're, you're being deceptive. And I think that's even sometimes, you know, in, with people's questions of leadership, when the leadership is, you know, uh, seeking to be rightly motivated, purely motivated, that it just speaks to the, their own conscience is condemning them. That yes. That's what I would do, so I assume that's what you would do as well.
0: Exactly, that's a good point. People impose their evil intentions on others. They project it on others that that's what they would do because that's what I would do. And it reveals who they are. They're acting in the flesh. Whether it's an unbeliever doing it, many times it is an unbeliever pretending to be a believer, but on occasion it is a believer who's acting in the flesh understanding his own sin, his own weakness, and then imposing that on somebody else when that's not actually going on with the other.
4: I'm just going to comment. I was just thinking about all this. Doesn't it seem true that once a a child or a person has lost their innocence, could be in any area or what have you, but once you lose that innocence, once you've been duped, once you've been fooled, once you've been tricked, don't you just start suspecting everybody of everything? Because when you're young and you're innocent, why would anyone do any harm to you? Why would they trick you? Why would they sell you something that doesn't work? Why would the used car dealer ever have a car that you wouldn't want to buy on the (laughs) lot? those kind of things, right? Why would they do that? They can't keep selling them because no one's gonna buy their cars. Well, advertising, the, the, the more innocence we lose, it's a default of our human, our sinful human nature to suspect everything and everybody. Our society's created that, but it's part of our curse. Isn't
0: it? Yes, that does occur, but the problem is people who do that are hypocrites because they don't want others to suspect them.
4: Yeah, exactly. So it's, so, it's like a, a spiral.
0: Okay, next question. How long
3: from the death of Joseph to Moses?
0: How long from the death? Probably about 100, at least 100 years, uh, as much as about 150 years.
3: Until his birth?
0: Until his birth.
3: And then another 80 years until he leads them out? Yes. So the command then to take the bones of Joseph would have been transmitted from the people that he's delivering that to would not have been alive.
0: Not the immediate generation.
3: So how is that then being transmitted orally? Or do you think they had these things written down?
0: It it doesn't say, but they weren't so ignorant that they couldn't write. Right.
3: So there is then, in terms of inscripturation, Moses is the one who wrote uh, Genesis, the first five books. Yes. But it's possible that many of these things were written down when they took place and preserved in that way uh, for the generations. Yes. Because it is the Word of God. What God is speaking and saying to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, it is the Word of the Lord.
1: Yes. And there were faithful people during that. Time, yeah, yeah. No. No. Right.
0: they were faithful people in that intermediate time. Yes, and the pa- like the parents of Moses. Yeah,
1: right.
0: That that's at least one generation between Joseph and Moses, and we know the parents of Moses according to Hebrews eleven. They were faithful. That's why they preserved him, and they knew that he was beautiful in the sight of God, which means that he was elect, not that he had. Uh, he, that he was a beautiful baby in physical features. That's not what it means. It means in terms of him being in the sight of God. In that sense, he was beautiful. And they knew that. And they had faith. That's why they preserved him in the wicker basket. So
3: they had to have some access to the Word of God. Yes. Yes. During this time.
0: Yes, certainly. Yeah, but only a remnant of them would have believed it. Not the majority of them, only a remnant of them. Because they were very evil, and he calls them evil yeah. in Numbers and Deuteronomy, for all of their rebellion. Right. The vast majority of them rebel. After the book of Joshua, doesn't mention again
2: about um,
0: Joseph, Joshua 21. Oh, in the book of Joshua... Joshua twenty four. Joshua twenty four thirty two. Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which Moses the sons, of, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt, at Shechem in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for one hundred pieces of money, and they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. Yes, his bones are mentioned there. And speaking of his bones, Hebrews eleven, Hebrews eleven twenty-two, eleven twenty-two. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, and gave orders concerning his bones. And speaking of the parents of Moses, verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Um, Back to the question about oral or written communication. People assume wrongly that the people in ancient times were very primitive and illiterate. Primitive and illiterate. As a matter of fact in, in history, don't school children learn about Egypt, ancient Egypt and the pyramids? Who has, who has discovered the way of making pyramids? Has anybody made one today? No. Okay. How about when they study ancient Mesopotamia and they study ziggurats? Has anybody made a ziggurat today? No. What about the language, the Egyptian language? And what about the Mesopotamian languages like Akkadian and um, Assyrian, Babylonian, the Akkadian languages? What about Sumerian? What about uh, these places in ancient history? Everybody studies them in school, right? We know about them. Can we read Akkadian? Is it easy to read? No. Can we read Egyptian? Is it easy to read? No. In terms of readability, they are complicated. They are, And then these same civilizations, especially Mesopotamian because of clay and stone tablets. We have thousands, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of documents, tablets, whole tablets, parts of tablets that contain lexical lists, dictionaries. They contain astronomy. They have poetry. They have religious writings. They have medicinal writings. What herbs, what, what what plants, what herbs will treat this and do that, whatever. They have many, many lists like that. The, then the, the architecture. How about economics and diplomacy? We have writings in all of these categories, dating back that far back to ancient Egypt, ancient Sumeria, a, ancient Mesopotamia. We have them. And they're very, very... Vast. So, and if this is what has survived, imagine what they had that has not survived, especially in places where the climate or the surfaces they use are perishable, the climate, unconducive to letting things remain, and then the surfaces they use being perishable surfaces. They were very intelligent, so they knew to write. They absolutely knew to write. And they knew to write intelligently. It should not... We should not falsely assume that the people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, or in the book of Genesis, or Adam, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and even Moses, that they knew nothing about writing. Certainly they knew it. They all did. And we have evidence... We have biblical evidence that they knew and that they did right. Within the pages of Moses, we have them. To give a couple of examples in Moses, one is Exodus 17, Exodus 17, 14, 17, 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven," he says. "Write this in a book." Exodus twenty-four 24:4. twenty-four four. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Exodus twenty-four and verse seven. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So Moses wrote. He knew to write and he did. Um, but even before Moses. Well, what about Joseph? Is he not living in Egypt? And don't we have Egyptian writings? Do you think Joseph was ignorant? No. No way. There's no way he was ignorant. Um, and also remember what it says about Joseph's brothers? that Joseph used an interpreter so his brothers had a barrier. And because of that barrier of the interpreter, they didn't think that the one who was ruling the land was their brother because their brother would have understood Hebrew. But Joseph knew not only Hebrew, but Egyptian by that point. But he still used the interpreter to talk to his brothers before he revealed his identity to them. Remember that? So he knew two languages, Joseph did. And then as for writing in the book of Genesis, we have Genesis chapter five, verse one. Genesis chapter five, verse one. This is the book of the generations of Adam. The book. People write in a book. The book of the generations. Um, I'd like to go to more in a few more, a couple more places in Genesis later, but before we move from this place, let's back up to chapter 4 of Genesis. Chapter 4 of Genesis, 420. 420. And Adah gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have... Livestock, And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. As for Zillah, she also gave birth to Tubal Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron. Now, how many of us are experts in livestock? That must mean you're, you're primitive, you're backward, you're illiterate, you're ignorant. You don't know how to read and write. You don't know anything because you don't know how to care for livestock. Can we say that? Well, that's what we're imposing on these people by saying, well, they they were primitive. They didn't know how to write. They didn't write books. But they knew how to keep livestock. And many of us don't know how to do that. How about uh, all those who play the lyre and pipe? Probably in this room of whatever number 20 or more people, uh, men and and boys, do any of you know how to play the lyre and pipe? No. Maybe one out of twenty. But what's even more difficult, making a lyre and making a pipe, they have to first make it to play it, and making it is more difficult than playing it. They knew how to do that, so that means they were intelligent. We are stupid according to the logic of the unbeliever. And also, how about forging all implements of bronze and iron? Some of us know how to use implements of bronze and iron to cultivate the field and make other things. We we know how to do, a few of us, but not all of us. Does that make the rest of us ignoramuses? Then how about making them? Probably nobody in this room knows how to make all kinds of implements of bronze and iron. Probably nobody. You see what I'm saying? We we assume their stupidity when we are the stupid ones, assuming their stupidity. Also, it says in Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Three, uh, Genesis 26. We'll read um, just verse five. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, commandments, statutes, and laws. Does that not seem like they were written? Why speak of them in that way unless they were written? Also, Go back to chapter 23. Chapter 23. 23 20. 23 20. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Hep. Deeded over. Doesn't deed it over imply you have a written document, the deed, the title, the certificate of ownership of the property, and the sale of it was is mentioned earlier in this chapter. So money was exchanged, and a deed was written, and the deed was signed by the parties involved. A written record in the time of Abraham. Abraham, not only with spiritual laws, but with political laws. He was familiar with both. They were not ignorant of these things, but very intelligent, and could have preserved many things in written form. Likely did, in written form.
2: Even Adam was smart enough to name all the animals.
0: Yes. Actually, all all skills, in, in a sense, have to come from Adam. Adam and Eve, and whatever they did not know, God had to teach them. So either they knew it innately or they knew it by revelation that God taught them. Because how else are they going to eat? How else are they going to know to, to farm? How else are they going to know what to do with this plant or with that tree? How else are they going to know how to cook it, how to prepare it? What is edible and what is inedible, right? They would have known if there were plants like poison ivy that you cannot consume it or you're not supposed to touch it. They, should, they would have known things like that. Whether it's poison ivy or whatever poisonous plants, they would have known, should have known things like that.
2: What's for medicine?
0: Yes, and what is for medicine? Um, even numbers. Even the numbers, uh, mathematics. What did Cain what was Cain told? He was told in Genesis four fifteen. So the Lord said to him, Therefore whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. Sevenfold. <laughs> yeah. And you might say, Well that's easy. You know, times seven. That's easy.
2: Seven's the harder number than
0: it's a harder number to remember?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the the multiplications. The multiplications. Um, how about 424? 424. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech, 77-fold. Yeah. There we ha- there it's more complicated. Times 77. Uh, and also, chapter 5, the ages of the patriarchs. What are they calculating? What are they observing with the... The ages of the patriarchs. What are they observing? The passage, of
1: time.
0: the passage of time, and how do you observe the passage of time? The constellations, right. the movement of the earth, the,
2: the moon and the sun.
0: The moon and the sun, yeah. right? They have to be aware of that to be able to calculate the, their ages, yeah. um, at least by Moses' time. But even when it started. Yes. Even when it started no. but in Adam's time, because it says this, Genesis 1, 14, in the time of Adam, Adam and Eve, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Right, right there. Yes. So God taught Adam and Eve how to calculate, how to know. I bet you if, if we were to go outside t- to the nighttime sky in the countryside, we would not be able to identify all of the stars or all of the major stars. We would not be able to remember and position and, re- and calculate based on position the passage of time. Very few of us understand astronomy. Right? Very few of us.
2: We can't tell, by looking at the stars, we can't even tell summer from winter.
0: And we can't tell summer from winter.
2: Because there's stars that show themselves in the winter time that you can't see in the summertime.
0: Did he, Did you know that? Most of Maybe half of us didn't know that fact. But you see what yeah, I'm saying? Watch. That there is so much there is to know that Adam and Eve knew. Sure. And they taught their children. Right. And it pa- was passed on from generation to generation
2: and it's the it's inflated uh, self-worth that we have thinking that uh, we're smarter than all the rest of people yes instead of, instead of the de- degenerate nature of mankind right and uh, right they knowing a lot more than we could ever
0: yes yes and even even modern man has his uh, strata yeah. because They'll say, if you live in the United States and Europe, then you're better than everybody else in the rest of the world. Western Europe is is better than Eastern Europe. So if you're in Western Europe or United States, you're better than everybody else in the rest of the world. Okay, that arrogance is there. And then you have to break that down. If you live in the United States and you live on the East Coast or in Los Angeles or Chicago, then you have some respect. But if you live anywhere else, especially in the middle of the country, in Oklahoma, you're nobody. You're backwards. You're nobody. They actually think this way. Now, if you don't read the New York Times, and if you're not educated in an Ivy League university, you are an idiot. They literally believe this. They literally believe this when they are the idiots yeah. destroying the world and the people.
4: Let's keep that quiet. Country <laughs> A country boy will survive. Let's keep that quiet.
0: Yes. So it is arrogance. The yeah. way that we project no doubt. The, um, and portray the past is not right. Whether past or current events. Okay, another question. We have time for another one.
4: I had a question offered up to me. Do you remember Brian Slocum? We were in, I think it was New Testament class, and he was concerned about all these uh, you know, Jesus projects and all this her- heresy that's written by the theologians. And uh, the question was, was why would someone spend all that time and energy studying the Bible if they're not a believer? Okay. It goes to that what you were telling us in Proverbs earlier about, you know, um, well, what's, the, what's the proverb? I just wrote it down. 10.23. So Wickedness is a sport to the fool. It's almost, is that not what we think about that? It is a lot of time and effort yes. to study something you don't believe in, really.
0: Yes. Yes, it is sport to them. They do enjoy it, but they are controlled by Satan. Right. John eight forty four. You are of your father, the devil. He was a, a a murderer and a liar from the beginning. When he speaks, he speaks from his own nature. He does not speak the truth, for when he speaks, he speaks a lie, and he is the father of lies. Okay, he's the father of lies, and when he controls people, they practice. Deceitful spirits the, the doctrine of deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons first Timothy four one to five. And first Peter five eight. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And why? Because they are like this. Acts chapter twenty Acts chapter twenty twenty nine to thirty. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Savage wolves among the flock of sheep in the church. They're savage wolves. They're not shepherds, loving shepherds, caring shepherds. They are savage wolves, wild animals. They will not spare the flock. They will come in. But also, the men you think were on your side will be proven not to be on your side by speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. The savage wolves will also have sheep's clothing, eventually speak perverse things with the purpose to draw away the disciples after them. And in my time for uh, about 12 years in academia, I literally heard, and it was reported to me on more than one occasion, that professors, heretical professors, they delighted in telling the students, this is what you learned in Sunday school, but here you're going to learn what it really is. You're going to learn the truth here. They would make statements like that. This is what you learned growing up. You, you grew up learning that Moses wrote the law. You grew up learning that a, a great fish or a whale swallowed Jonah. You grew up learning about the flood, the flood of Noah's day, worldwide flood. You grew up learning creationism. You grew up learning the virgin birth. You grew up learning the resurrection of Christ. You grew up learning that there's a day of judgment. Come on. You know, that's what they will say. They will bring up these subjects and say, You grew up learning this, but now I'm going to tell you the opposite.
4: So I was always under a false pretense that they were just trying to come up with something new so they it would seem interesting to their students, but it's actually deeper than that.
0: It's deeper than that, yes. Yes. It it includes that but it's deeper.
4: Yes.
1: The, the motive we you read earlier in First Timothy six about the controversies of worlds it says imagining that godliness is a means of gain so the motive is the means of gain that, you know they're Satan's using them to uh, try to stumble you know, cause the led to stumble to take people to hell but in their mind they're just serving their god mammon yes it's a means of gain
0: yes okay so somebody will ask well why are they pastors if they don't believe it or why are they professors if they don't believe it? But, well, the reason is they are not smart enough to become engineers or something else. The they're they're not they're not smart enough to do something like that, and they don't want to dig ditches or collect garbage. And it's an easier job. It's, so so yes, yeah, so it becomes it, this is easier. It's easy and it's more respectable to be a professor or to be a pastor.
4: Right.
0: At least generally speaking. It's, it's easier to be that, and there's more respect that comes with it. Uh, what do you do? Oh, Well, I, I work for the local garbage company. I collect garbage. I'm a
1: garbage
0: man. Yeah, I'm a garbage man. You, it's hard to say that. So they don't want to do things like that. They would rather do something that has some respect attached
4: to it. Do they seem to sell more books because they're
3: a radical Okay,
0: well, professors do that and pastors do that too. They will write books because they're trying to secure both their financial security, but also uh, draw away the disciples after them. They want to convince others. They despise it so much. They have such a hatred for God. They want to convince others to have that same hatred for God and make money while they're doing it.
4: Had a when I was a science school director. I had a lady who taught a junior high girl Sunday school class. And she was so excited that she was really growing in her class because she was teaching about the occult. And I said, Well, we're going to need you to stop doing that. I wasn't very popular, of obviously, but that, that stuff sells.
0: Yes, yes. What, whatever detracts from righteousness is more popular and it will sell yes all right thank you